right, so uh, here we are, the last Sunday in uh, March, and uh, it's getting hot again. It's, way, it's crazy how one day it's 25 degrees, the next day it's 80, you know, it just goes from day to day. Uh, my uh, my tea olives lost all their leaves in December, and then they came, the leaves started coming out, and now they all wilted again because they froze again, so it's just one thing or another. But anyways, they'll be fine, I guess. No, no need to worry, right? We need... We need cold and hot and rain and pollen and uh, all that stuff, right? Or we wouldn't be able to get along. There was an older couple who were having problems with their memory, right? Starting to have problems remembering things. So they went to the doctor and said, how can you help us? And the doctor just said, well, just write some things down. A lot of help, right? Gave him $500 and he said, write things down. Well, that night after going to bed, the old man got up and said, I'm going to get some ice cream. His wife says, oh, you got up to get some ice cream. His wife wakes up and says, where are you going? He says, I'm going to get some ice cream. Which I've never done that. Maybe some of you do. I've never gotten up at 2 in the morning to go get a bowl of ice cream. But, hey, that's what he was doing. His wife says, get me one, too. Bring me some back. <laughs> gone for a little while. Finally, after a while, he comes back, and he hands her a plate of bacon and eggs. She says, See, I told you to write it down. I want an orange juice with mine. <laughs> All right. That has absolutely nothing to do with the lesson today. I just thought I had to say it. No, I know. Some of you probably can relate to that better than us. I know that. All right. Well, <laughs> last week we talked about the power of prayer, right? And uh, during this study, I want to see, I want you to understand that, right? We tend to mm, underestimate the power of prayer, right? We don't consider what it can do for us, okay? And you hear, you know, in the world, pray for this. You are in our thoughts and prayers, right? And the world talks about this, you know, and things like that. And, and they don't understand it either, really. They think, well, when I, when so, when I get in trouble, I'm going to pray. But, you know, it's not something they do all the time. And we talked about that power in prayer, that power that we have for forgiveness, right? For forgiveness of sin. We fall short. We're not perfect. That power that we have, peace. It provides peace. Remember we said the best antidote for anxiety is prayer. And you can understand that. You've experienced that, right? You've had times when you were anxious and you prayed about it and you could feel that stress coming out of you, right? You could, you could see things happening that perhaps taking care of things we get strength from it we got to have strength we're we're frail we're in the flesh we're not perfect we're not able to handle things sometimes and we need that strength from God we get that through prayer how about wisdom there's a certain amount of wisdom we can get through prayer we, we don't know it all we don't understand we have to have things told to us right we have to have things revealed to us so we can know who God is, know what the truth is. We can see things, we can observe, we can experience, but ultimately we don't know until we pray about it and we can get that wisdom. We can then begin to obtain knowledge and truth. What about boldness? Remember we talked about that, how in the first century they were together in the house of one, one, one body, right? And there was great boldness and the house even shook because of it. We can have boldness through prayer. And you think about that when we're here together. 
praying in harmony, praying in unison as one, what great power there is in that, right? We can pray for opportunity to, pre to teach others about who Jesus Christ is, to share our faith with others. Pray for the opportunities to do that, right? That comes through prayer. And, of course, healing. We need to be able to pray for those who are in sick, those who are sick or, or ailing. Those might be needing comfort, too, through that. Yes, and we do that. We do that probably more than anything else, really, right? It seems like we, we pray for healing. You see that here all the time, and that's what we should be doing because healing comes through prayer. And the last one there is tranquility, of course. We have prayer. Through prayer, we can be united, not battling each other, not divisive with each other, in harmony and oneness. But all these things, and all these things are great, but today we're going to take a little turn and say, but does everybody have that power through prayer? Does every person in the world, you know, you see that, pray for our troops, pray for America, pray for those who are less fortunate, right? And you'll hear that, and, th and those are good things. People should be doing those things, but does everybody have the same ability to do that? Perhaps better question is, is everybody privileged to pray? We're going to look at that a little bit today. See, there are scriptures that talk about that, that says the privilege of prayer is not available to everyone. There are prayers that will become an abomination to God. That sounds pretty bad, doesn't it? There are prayers that will fall on deaf ears. There are prayers that will be hindered. Interesting. And there were prayers that will not be answered favorably. Prayers that are going to be not going to be answered the way you are wishing that it would. So we're going to look a little bit at that, both sides of that. First of all, we're going to look at whom prayer, those who do not have a privilege of prayer. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 28, and let's read a verse from there. Proverbs 28, and I'm just going to begin in the beginning of that chapter. Proverbs 28, verse 20, it says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Because of the transgression of a land, many are its princes, but by a man of understanding and knowledge, right will be prolonged. A poor man who oppresses the poor is like a driving rain which leaves no food. Those who forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand all. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one perverse in his ways, though he be rich. Whoever keeps the law is a discerning son, but a companion of gluttons shames his father. One who increases his possessions by usury and extortion gathers it for him who will pity the poor. One who turns away his ear from hearing the law even his prayer is an abomination. Man. Interesting. All these things talking about here in this proverb. Those who help the poor. Those who are humble. Those who are not puffed up. Those who are assisting others. Those who want to help others. And those who turn their ears away from doing the law. Their prayer becomes an abomination. It doesn't just mean that that prayer is not going to be heard. But it is distasteful to God, right? 
Abomination implies the, the idea that God abhors it. It's disgusting to him. It's sinful, you might think that. Interesting, right? Those who turn their ears from the law, their prayers are among us. Well, that's true of what we might read in the New Testament. Second Timothy 4, it talks about those who will not endure sound doctrine. Those who are willing to just hear what they want to hear, have their ears tickled, right? Or the itch, itch, ears itching, what? They, they are those who are not willing to understand the truth try to get what God is trying to reveal to us those prayers become an abomination I mean after all if we're not going to listen to God why would he listen to us interesting right interesting concept we don't think about that so often do we <coughs> there's also others turn over to Isaiah chapter 59 and see what else is in verse 1 he says behold the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save nor his ear heavy that it cannot bear but your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you see our sins separate us from him in the point that he will not hear our prayers and I'm talking about here more of the world perhaps than of Christians Okay. But if you're in sin, if you're living in sin, he cannot tolerate that. God cannot tolerate one who is impure. Therefore, he cannot hear your prayers. You think, well, the world, we've got to pray. Everybody needs to pray. Well, maybe so. And we should be telling people that, I guess. But are all those prayers going to be heard? Those who are not Christians, those who have not been saved, those who have not had their sins washed, blood of the lamb may not have that ability sin separate us from God and you might think of that like <coughs> it's that's that's really when you think about it more folks that are not going to be willing to humble themselves right they're not going to be willing to seek that forgiveness because you know they're not sinners they don't think of themselves as doing anything wrong Romans 6 23 says the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life therefore you might think of God is not going to hear the prayer of someone who rejects his forgiveness if God is going to provide you a way out and you're not going to take it why should he listen to you you think well that's, that's God is love God is ultimate well scripturally speaking we read these things says God is not going to hear that turn over to Psalm 41 let's read something there Psalm 41 verse 1 blessed is he who considers the poor the Lord will deliver him in time of trouble the Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he will be blessed on the earth. You will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness, and you will sustain him on his sickbed. Perhaps those he won't hear are those who don't treat others 
justice, a Torah. We see that over and over again. Those who are in need need our help. God wants to help those who are in need. Perhaps that's going to hinder our prayers. What about 1 Peter 3? Turn over there and see something in that passage. Peter 3 verse 7 Husbands likewise dwell with them dwell with them with understanding giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being their heirs together the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered Interesting how he relates that to a man and his wife You see apparently how you treat your spouse has something to do with your ability to pray you treat your wife the way she should be treated with honor wives do you respect your husbands do you love them as you should if you don't want your prayers to be hindered that's something you need to be considering interesting turn back over to Matthew let's read some passages from there Matthew chapter 5 Let's look at verse 21 to begin with. He says, You have heard it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, You fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, or if you pray, and there rem- you I lost my place. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. In other words, if you've got something going on with your brethren, your prayers might be hindered. God says, take care of that before you come to me, before you come before the altar, before you pray. Interesting concept. Turn over Matthew 18. <clears throat> you were here last week. Kyle kind of touched on this in his sermon. But about how to deal with those you might have a conflict with. Matthew 18, verse 21 starts out. It says, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. Servant therefore fell before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. 
and he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? His master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Oh, wow. In other words, how are you going to get forgiveness if you're not going to forgive your brother? It's not possible. You see, that is a basic principle. If you're not willing to forgive, God's not going to forgive you. And I don't care how many times you pray about it, it ain't going to matter. If you don't have a forgiving heart, love for your brother woe to you if we doubt God's existence and ability to provide if we doubt his willingness to forgive if we're not humble in our dealings with our brethren with our fellow man prayers are going to be hindered prayers are going to become an abomination Who else might be hindered? Turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 5. It says, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death, and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had his testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. James 5, or James 1, talks about the fact that if we ask with doubt in our heart, God is not going to hear our prayer. We have to believe. That's what he wants. He wants your faith. You say, well, I, I believe. But do you pray sometimes not really thinking it's going to happen? Have you ever done that? Do you just kind of rote, rotely pray and say, eh? If you pray to God who you believe in, who you have tremendous faith in, pray with faith. Do not doubt. Else your prayer might be hindered. Interesting, right? The privilege of prayer is not extended to everyone. It is a blessing. It's a blessing to those who believe, truly believe that he can do whatever you ask. It's not extended to everyone. It always gets me when something bad happens. You know, 9-11, you remember? How they talked about everybody's going back to church and all these people are praying, you know, for maybe a month or two. God hears the prayer of a righteous man. It avails much. And that is very true. That is very scriptural. You think about the patriarchs, right? Had that personal relationship with God. He actually spoke to them. Saw things. 
through their prayers because they were righteous men. Not because of anything they did, but because of their belief in him. He sanctified them. They were made just. We now understand that as Christians, we are made just through the blood of Christ to wash away our sin, that we may become pure, that we might have that relationship with God. So who has that privilege of prayer, right? Who truly has it? Well, first of all, let's look at something here in Acts. Turn over Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, verse 1. There was a certain man of Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment, a devout man, and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He's lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 let me go back there. He says he's lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. Okay, remember that. And when the angel spoke to him and departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants, and an devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. Chapter 11, beginning in verse 4. But Peter explained to them an order from the beginning. This is Peter giving an account for Nevis to the disciples. I was in the city of Joppa praying in a trance. I saw a vision an object descending like a great sheet, let down from heaven by four corners, and it came to me when I observed it intently and considered I saw four foot of animals of the earth and bees, creeping things, and birds of the air, and I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. Now this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. At the very moment these Three men uh, stood before the house where I was, having been sent to me from Caesarea. Then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house, who said to him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, who surnamed Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. Here we have Cornelius, Gentile. Praying to God. Now, he didn't know the gospel. He had not been baptized into Christ, but he's a devout man, religious man. Because of that, his prayer was heard. Okay? He still had sin. He was impure, but God heard him because he was crying out. He was seeking, he was asking. And he provided a way for him to know the truth. His prayer and alms had been noticed by God as we read there in Acts 10 11. In fact, let's go back to chapter 10 at the end there and says, verse, actually not at the end, but in verse uh, 30, 
So Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon, whose turn is Peter. He is holding the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. See, Cornelius knew that he was about to understand what God wanted for his life, what God was revealing about the gospel, how he and his household were going to be saved. His prayer and alms had been noticed. Thus God saw to it that he had an opportunity to hear the words whereby he would be saved. One thing to note there. He was not saved by praying. Okay? He's crying out. He's a devout man. He's religious. That's not what saved him. God heard him, though, just as he hears us who might be crying out with an humble heart. Humble heart, not humble heart. Humble heart. You see, <clears throat> the gospel of Christ, which is God's power to salvation, Romans 1, is able to do wondrous things. We also can read about Paul, right, when he was called Saul. Turn back there to Acts 9. Let's see about that real quick. Acts 9, verse 10 after he's met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he's praying. And in a vision he's seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, so that he might receive his sight. Interesting, right? How that prayer of Paul, or Saul's time, is heard. Turn over to 20, chapter 22. Let's see what Ananias said there. Verse uh, 16. Ananias says, And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. You see, Saul had an intervention through vision, saw Jesus on the road, but he went on into the city and was praying. God sent Ananias to give him the words by which he should be saved. Of course, we know about Paul. In other words, now we know the rest of this story. God heard the prayer of a sinner like Cornelius, and he heard the prayer of Saul after he had met Jesus on the road. Turn over to Matthew chapter 5. I want to read something there again. Verse 6. <clears throat> Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. That's from the Beatitudes. It's a very simple verse, but it says a lot. You see, God's going to hear the prayer of those who are truly seeking, who are truly hungering and thirsting for righteousness. So what's that say about your prayer? Well, we as Christians 
have that ability to do it, have that ability to pray to God, but that prayer needs to be coming from a heart that is humble, a heart that's seeking, a heart that is always looking to know the will of God, to know God. is very important too once you get tuned in with that right attitude your prayers are going to be heard turn over to Matthew 7 verse 7 <clears throat> and this is a very simple verse yet very powerful verse very two persons ask <clears throat> and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and it will be opened for you for everyone who asks receives and who seeks finds and to him who knocks will be opened that's a simple set of verses right there, but it's very true. As Kurt was saying, if our hearts are humbled, if we're attuned to God, He's going to be there. He's going to hear it. He's going to understand you, and you can ask Him anything. How is that done? Well, <coughs> we have a high priest. Did you know that? In the old law, you had the Levitical tribe, right? The priest, priestly tribe set up by God. In that circle, you had a high priest. When in the temple, they still had the ark, the mercy seat, the cherubim in there, that high priest was able to go into that holy of holies one time a year on the day of atonement to atone for the sins of the people. We understand that that truly didn't forgive sin, but that was the forerunner, the foreshadowing of whom? Christ Jesus, our sacrificial lamb, who died once and for all throughout eternity. Not only that, we can understand that he became our high priest. Well, what's that mean exactly? Turn over to Hebrews. And you know if we're going to talk about a high priest, we're going to look at Hebrews. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 2 and look at uh, verse 17 therefore in all things he had to be made like his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest and things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for our sins, for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. You see, God came to earth in the flesh. We read that in John, John 1. So that he might be tempted like us. So that he could fully understand what it means to be in the flesh. And through that, he now can be our high priest our intercessor, our mediator to God because he can empathize with us. Sympathize, right? 
an interesting concept. We don't necessarily consider that sometimes. But that's one of the reasons, because of course he came to earth to save us, to die for us, but also to experience what we experience, the temptations that we see. And yes, Christ was tempted, just like we are. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What's he saying there? You've got the high priest. You have help. Take advantage of it. Come to him. Ask. Pray. Plead. Remember last week we talked about the parable of the, uh, the widow, right? They kept on and kept on and kept on until the magistrate finally did something. That's what he wants. Those who are righteous and in faith, he wants you to pray without ceasing, praying every day, constantly coming to him with the help of our high priest, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 7 says he's able to save the uttermost and he's able to live now as our intercessor. And he's reigning in his kingdom at the right hand of God, right? Turn to 1 John. Let's read something from there. <coughs> Chapter 2, verse 1, he says, My little children... These things are right to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy in chapter 2, he says, He's our mediator between God and us, God and man. Romans 8, he said, He's who makes intercession for us at the right hand of God. That's the blessing we have through prayer, through that privilege we have. If we're living faithfully and humble, walking in the Spirit, remember that from Galatians, not in the flesh, we have that privilege of prayer. Turn over to 1 Peter. We'll turn back to 1 Peter. Chapter 3. Beginning in verse uh, <clears throat> verse 1 there. Actually, I'm sorry, verse uh, 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. We, uh, we have to submit to the righteousness of God in order to have the privilege of prayer. We have to respond to the gospel. If we want that privilege, we have to be in relationship with him. You see, that's 
what the prayer is really all about. We're now able to go into the throne room of God and speak to him directly. How is that done? Well, because of the blood of Christ, we're made pure. He can't tolerate impurity. He can't tolerate sin. But through that blood of Christ, we're able to go right in past the veil, which was torn at the crucifixion, remember? And we can speak right with him. And that's what he wants. He created you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to be able to come in there and say, Father, I adore you. I am humble and nothing without you. I thank you for what you've done. Please help us. That's what he wants. Simple as that. I don't tell you this, though, to make you feel puffed up like you're better than others because you can pray to God. That's not the idea here, right? Yeah, scripturally speaking, we know those who pray that don't live in accordance with his will are not going to be heard. That is very true. But that doesn't mean that's something for you to be puffed up about or anything like that. You should be praying for those who need to hear the word, hear the gospel, right? And as we talked about last week, you should be praying for opportunity to share your faith so that those around us in the dark world, and this is a dark world we're living in, can have that privilege as well. That's what God wants you to do. So the idea here is, yes, we are privileged. We need to take advantage of prayer. There is great power in prayer, and it has a wonderful purpose. But it's not something that we should be puffed up about. we desire that privilege of prayer we must either be faithful child of God or seeking the truth and there are those around us who believe it or not are seeking the truth we need to be praying for the opportunity to find them and share the faith with them so that they can also have their prayers heard and if you're not living the way you ought to today or if you're not a Christian who doesn't have that privilege well now today is as good as any I mean it's fixing the storm there's no need to rush outside you're just going to get wet anyways might as well get wet in here how about that alright quit preaching time is up thanks for being here